Welcome to My 10 Sports, and I appreciate you joining us for our Week 5 preview. Fired up about the weekend. We're getting into early October. The conference play truly starts. We're starting to find out who is a contender and who is a pretender in the division races. Who is a contender and who is a pretender? We are going to find out as we get into October. We're really getting into the nitty-gritty of the Southeastern Conference play. This is the time of year you really start finding out who teams are, the real strengths and weaknesses. We start getting a little common schedule here. People like that. Uh, It gives more familiarity. It's easier for people to pick games. Fans get more involved. Strategies, tactics start coming out. It's it's really it's exciting times. We got five great games. We're going to preview for you here. Starting with who I think's the I think this is a the best game of the week. One of the more important games of the week. Kentucky at Ole Miss, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPN. Both teams come in four and zero. Kentucky has the best win at Florida, easily the best win for Florida. But both teams are stru- struggling. Both teams kind of struggled to finish common opponents last week. Tulsa and Northern Illinois, strangely enough, coincidentally, they both played each other, Tulsa and Illinois. Um, Northern Illinois got the win in overtime. Big game for both teams. Uh, I mean, let's shake this up. Let me pull up Kentucky's schedule for you here just so we kind of can get it in the mindset of what's going on, what's on. So after Ole Miss, Kentucky's got South Carolina next week. Mississippi State at home as well. The South Carolina games at home. The Mississippi State, and then at Tennessee would be the way they finish October. I mean, the Cats are going to be sitting at five and zero if they win this week in Oxford. They'd be favored against South Carolina. Um, Mississippi State they'd be favored against. They would not be favored going into Knoxville as things stand right now. But at worst, it looks like they would go two and one maybe. Again, I think Kentucky's very capable of dropping a game we're not talking about or a game they're favored in that we're not anticipating them losing. But let's go to Ole Miss's schedule here. The October slate for the Rebs. They got at Kentucky or at Vanderbilt next week. Auburn at home the next week, and then at LSU to uh, and then at A and M to finish October. So Ole Miss is starting their gauntlet. After this, the straight conference play again. They should win the next two at Vandy, then at Auburn, then versus Auburn. It just—it's a big game. It's a springboard game. I say that a lot, but I feel like it truly is because, dude, if Ole Miss could be seven and zero rolling into the LSU game, that would be massive. But back to the specific game: Kentucky at Ole Miss, eleven a.m. ESPN game. Will Levis gives a Kentucky Kentucky a chance every week. He is the highest upside in the league at quarterback. He'll be a top pick. You like the arm talent, the hand talent. The ball just jumps out of his hand. Uh, really got a real loose arm. He's athletic, can get plays between the tackles, also extend plays outside the pocket. I like Will Levis a lot. Again, highest upside from an NFL standpoint in the quarterback from a quarterback in this league. Kind of Matthew Stafford is just kind of what he puts off to me. It may sound crazy, but it's kind of what he puts off to me. Thing for Kentucky, though, a traditional good unit that averaged five yards per carry on average the last three seasons has struggled recently in the big blue wall. That is what people call Kentucky's offensive line, the big blue wall. I think some of it has to do with three different offensive line coaches in the past three years going back to – Unfortunately, tragic event. One of their former offensive line coaches, John Schlarman, had cancer and passed away. Uh, they have Eric Walford, who left to go to Alabama. Uh, and now they have a new offensive line coach. That'll be their third offensive line coach in about three to four years. It's losing a lot. Then also, just in general, their success. The NFL draft picks, five NFL draft picks on the offensive line for the Kentucky Wildcats in the last three drafts. Just a lot to replace. I think this is their first year. They're kind of rebuilding it. Took some kids like Bordarius Hand from the transfer portal, the transfer portal kid from Auburn. They're currently ranked 123rd in rushing yardage, 125th in yards per or sorry, and they're averaging 125 yards per game, and 100 and they're 129th in sacks allowed. Let me repeat those stats. They are 123rd in the country out of 131 in rushing yardage. They're averaging 125 yards a game, and they're 129th in sacks allowed. Positive though that I think can help the Kentucky offensive line out. As they head into Vault Hemingway this uh, this Saturday morning, is first team All SEC running back Chris Rodriguez is back this week, and he's going to help because you know what he was suspended for a DUI in the offseason. wasn't like he was dealing with a nitpicky injury. 
that lingers and he's been sitting on the sideline. He's hurt. This kid's coming back 110%. He's going to be, he's sitting there salivating to get a chance to help his offensive line, give Will Levis, uh, to keep Ole Miss's defense honest, let Will Levis pass off play action, uh, some play action plays. I, I, I like, it's a big come, it's a big get back for the Kentucky Wildcat offense. Moving to the Kentucky defense, who's been solid under Mark Stoops. The defense is going to have a great plan in this game. I know they will, but they will be without one of their best pass rushers and J.J. Weaver, who has an arm injury. Um, they struggled a little bit to get off the field on third down uh, in first half a game, specifically against Northern Illinois last week. I anticipate them, if you go back and watch the film of Ole Miss playing Tulsa, Tulsa is blitzing linebackers the, in their front six. They're just blitzing guys from all different levels, from the first two, sorry, from the first level and the second level. And Ole Miss couldn't handle it. They really couldn't. you got to take the Tulsa blueprint, uh, have simulated pressures from your linebackers specifically. And Kentucky has a good inside, like, inside linebacker room. Kentucky also has long corners. And Ole Miss's wide receivers, whether you want to believe it or not, have struggled to create separation from opposing DBs so far this year. Uh, the Rebs rank 97th nationally in passing offense. Not great, but we kind of assume to be a slow start with them right now with the trying to figure out who the quarterback is. It looks like it's Jackson Dart, but they need guys to step up at receiver and create separation to help uh, to help Jackson Dart. Uh, big interest. Kentucky gets a kid back, one of the best running backs in the league. The Rebs are hoping to get Zach Evans and Quinshawn Jenkins both going this week. Zach Evans is dealing with a hip pointer. He, he didn't play in the second half of the game against Tulsa. That'll be big. I remember Mark Ingram going back in time to the 2009 Iron Bowl, coming off a hip pointer. It's a pain tolerance thing, but also think about the position you're playing. You're getting hit there almost every time you touch the ball, and even in pass pro sometimes. Zach Evans, a kid I've questioned if he could make it through the entire season because he hasn't since his junior year. I'm very high on the ability. If he can stay on the field, he'll be fine. He's just never finished a season since his junior year, and I feel like I'm the only guy out there saying that. Um, again, the the, Re the Rebs are... I like Quinchon Juckins, the true freshman running back from Pike Road, Alabama. Um, the Rebs better do something from an NIL standpoint to keep him, because if not, he's from the great state of Alabama, and somebody's going to come pick him up. Not saying who, but they're in Crimson. Um, but Quinchon can't do it all by himself. He, he can't do it by himself. So Zach Evans will be key. That'll be a big game-changing decision game time. I think he'll probably give it a go. How effective he will be, I don't know. Um Tulsa last week was getting penetration and disrupt, disruption in the backfield, just messing up Ole Miss's entire offensive plan. Almost didn't struggle in the second half. Almost didn't score in the second half. Um, I do think Kiffin will have some shot plays called early. He always is. He always has some shot plays called in. One of the best game planners, play callers in the country, no doubt in the SEC. I do think the Ole Miss offensive line, though, is a bit of concern, and you may call me crazy, because they lead the SEC in rushing and are tied with Georgia for fewest sacks allowed in the SEC so far, with only two for the season. Those are, that's good company to be in. I mean, they lead the SEC in rushing yards, and they give up, the, they're tied with Georgia for the fewest sacks. But if you go watch the games, you just, there's some holes, man, when people are doing twists and gains and stuff like that, just creating... Uh, disruption for the offensive line. I don't know if they're not communicating and switching off. You just saw Tulsa wreck havoc. And right now, that, that's the blueprint right now. It's the last game people have where Ole Miss struggled on offense. You best believe Kentucky, who has a head coach like Mark Stoops, who's been a defensive coordinator at a high level, they're going to take advantage of that. They're going to find weaknesses like they do against most offensive opponents. They shut down Florida in the run game. Uh, you just go back and watch the film. If you're Ole Miss, you can't feel you can't feel real good about what you're probably going to see on Saturdays. We stand uh, off going off last week. Um, I think some of that is the competition played. Jackson Dart's going to get the ball out quickly. Um, I'm excited to see what Jackson Dart is, what he can do uh, with a hot hand. I think they got to get the ball out quick, get him confident. Because I think Kentucky's going to bring pressure again from the second level with their linebackers. He has to get the ball out quick. He can't be running 10 yards back, trying to escape the pocket laterally. He has to get the ball out on quick screens, playmakers in space. You need a guy like Jalen Robinson, who hasn't played that much. The transfer from UCF, he needs to step up and make plays at the, in the slot position for the, for the Ole Miss Rebels. I was kind of with him last year at UCF. I'm not going to say much, but his ability to really want to be on the field is a concern of mine. 
and they really could use him this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Moving on to Ole Miss's defense, they do get edge rusher Kari Coleman back this week. That'll be huge against a struggling Kentucky offensive line, like we mentioned. I'm really interested to see how Chris Partridge, the new Ole Miss D.C., uh, how he attacks the Rich Scangarello-led Kentucky offense. That's, a, that's Kentucky's new offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello. Ole Miss has been pr- playing primarily zone and trying to limit explosive plays, which isn't bad. A little bend, but don't break defense. But I think that strategy kind of plays into Kentucky's hands. I mean, if you're going to let Levis sit back there and not bring any pressure, Kentucky's receivers aren't incredibly gifted or great. They got Tavion Robinson, who's had some big games, had some solid games so far, specifically last week against Northern Illinois. But if you're just going to let him sit there and then let the receivers find holes in the zone, they're going to pick you apart. They'll be laying for Chris Rodriguez. You have to be aggressive. Get Will Levis outside the pocket and let him make plays from there. If he beats you there, then so be it. But I think that gives you the best shot to be successful if you're the Ole Miss defense. Um, you got to bring simulated pressure, Trish Partridge. I'm trying to wrap this up, but that just keeps coming back to my head. You have to be aggressive this week. Live and die by it. Where this game will be won, that's what I'm talking about, right? It's what I just talked about a couple sentences ago. Ole Miss's wide receivers, tight ends versus Kentucky secondary. Now, this also takes into account Ole Miss holding up front and giving Dart time. Ole Miss ranks 97th in passing offense, 207 yards per game. Kentucky is 15th in pass defense, and they're only giving up 163 yards through the air. Um, Ole Miss needs an explosive guy. I mentioned that. Jalen Robinson, someone needs to step up for Ole Miss. Malik Heath, not overly explosive, but somebody that Ole Miss hasn't had this week, Mingo's a guy we know about, but someone else is going to have to step up if Ole Miss is going to pull this victory off on Saturday. Um, Michael Trigg, that's a guy. He's got to step up. This will be one of the most physical games this kid's played in. They don't play this type of physical defense in the Pac-12. Um, this will be a game he may have to stay in for protection, but that, that, that wasn't great last week against Tulsa. When they left Trigg in, you could tell he didn't want really any part of that of putting his face mask on somebody, shooting his hands, hitting somebody in the chest, and playing physical. He didn't want any of that. It'll be interesting. He could really be a threat, though, up the seam and in the passing game. Always. I, he could be a guy that steps up if Jalen Robinson or Malik Keith or someone like that is not stepping up. Um, again, Ole Miss is going to have to create separation in his passing game. Jackson Dart can't sit back there all day because Kentucky is going to pressure the hell out of him. They're going to have to get it out. People are going to make plays in space. It's Really, it comes down to the Ole Miss skill positions at wide receiver and tight end versus Kentucky's secondary. Prediction? The big question I have, how healthy and does Zach Evans play at all? He changes the way Kentucky will defend Ole Miss. Uh, I expect Kentucky to be aggressive and bring simulated pressures like I mentioned. Quinchon Junkins can't do it all by himself. And I'll be honest with you, until Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, when I really dug deep into this film at night when I get home, I really thought Ole Miss would win this game. But after going back and re-watching the game at night, I think Kentucky no doubt has the better quarterback. They're getting a top two or three player on their team back in Chris Rodriguez, who's coming back. He's not coming off an injury. He's healthy. It's like week one to this guy. Uh, He's a key position for them. I think Kentucky gets a couple more turnovers on defense. Um, Zach Rodriguez, again, massive coming back for the Wildcats. I believe Zach Rodriguez – sorry, Chris Rodriguez. Sorry, I apologize. Chris Rodriguez is going to have success on the ground this week. That is going to allow Kentucky to make plays off play action and have their shots downfield. Kentucky's receivers aren't great, but they're good enough to beat you if you're having to add extra guys in the box. It will be key how Chris Partridge attacks the Kentucky defense. Because like I said, he's been real conservative, not real aggressive the first four weeks. That I think that's going to have to change for Ole, for Ole Miss to have any chance. Um, that is the X factor, in my opinion. Chris Partridge, how aggressive he will be. But ultimately, I don't think Ole Miss is going to have enough explosive plays with the receivers. I think with Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez coming back, they will have extended plays downfield, explosive plays downfield, uh, and just make a couple more plays than Ole Miss. And I think Kentucky wins this game 31-21. to Going to the betting line here, Kentucky's getting points plus 6.5. I like Kentucky money line. I really do. Obviously, give me the 6.5, but as the week has gone, has gotten deeper, I like Kentucky to straight up win this game. Again, this is going to come down to how Chris Partridge, the Ole Miss defense attack, and can Ole Miss's receivers and tight ends get separation 
and make explosive plays? And can the offensive line help protect Jackson Dart? This is a big week for Ole Miss. Easily the best opponent they've played. I don't think they get it done as I think Kentucky leaves Vault Hemingway Stadium 5-0, 2-0 in the SEC and well on their way to competing for the SEC East title as we get into October. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a great game. I'm going to be there. Can't wait to see Will Levis live. But again, I think Kentucky gets the win. Moving on, the next big game, the CBS game, Alabama at Arkansas. 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on CBS. Uh, Alabama comes in this game, obviously 4-0. Squeaked one out against Texas in Week 2. Arkansas comes in 3-1 with a tough loss to A&M this past week. Can they get over that? I look, I watched an interview with Sam Pittman, a couple of players. This may be me just reaching. I don't know if they're over that. I don't know if I blame them. I mean, it's a tough loss to get over. Uh, there are a couple of plays here and there, the big 13-point swing when they were about to go up 21-7. to The missed field goal, or if it was any higher or any lower, it probably goes in. It's just a tough way to start conference play, but they're going to have to get over it because they got one of the best teams in the country coming into town this week. Uh, Arkansas, we all saw it last year. They played with Bama's stride for stride. Now, Traylon Burks is gone, and some people argue they have a better group by committee, a better receiver group by committee this year. Um, Arkansas, very interesting stat on defense when I was looking it up. They lead the nation in sacks with 20, but they are 126 out of 131 in passing yards allowed. Man, that's on one end of the spectrum or the other, isn't it? They, they lead the nation in sacks with 20, a lot thanks to Drew Sanders, the Alabama transfer. But they're, but they're 126 at a 131 in passing yards allowed. I think Arkansas is more of the latter and gives up a lot of yards between the 20s. And so far through week four, been a little bend, but don't break defense. The secondary has shown their susceptibility. Obviously, South Carolina threw for a lot of yards on them. Spencer Rattler and uh, Wells went for a lot on them. Um, I do think Bama's coming in playing better. Played one of their best game. Played their best game complete. Complete game in all three phases, offense, defense, special teams against Vanderbilt. Looks like they're peaking at the right time. Now, that'll be tested this week, though. Heading to a hostile environment, Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's nothing Bama's team hadn't seen before, but it's their. it'll be – I don't know if it'll be Texas crazy, but it'll be a hostile environment. It'll test to see if they've gotten better here in the last two weeks. Uh, Alabama, I think, will have a significant athletic advantage versus the Razorback defense. And does Bill O'Brien take advantage of that? And get his best athletes in space to operate. Like, give Texas A&M some credit. I think they did that last week to an extent. They got Anaya Smith. Prayers up for him. Hopefully he comes back next year off his injury. Devon A. Chain, guys like that. Evan Stewart. Most teams this year in the Southeastern Conference are going to have an athletic advantage against Arkansas's back six. Um, Bryce Young. Bryce Young's going to do Bryce Young things. He is an assassin. He's the Steph Curry of college football. Guy just has ice water in his veins. You love Bryce Young. He he is what is great about college football, in my opinion. Um, road games do not affect him. Great in two-minute drives. He'll be fine. It'll be key to getting his playmakers the ball in space, though. Moving to the Bama defense. The defense is playing well, and that may be due to poor competition, but they're only giving up 7.3 points per game right now. I don't really care who you're playing. Uh, still have some questions, though, at corner, in my opinion. Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold. Looks like some teams are going after Terry and Arnold a little bit. I noticed that with Vanderbilt. They did, they attacked him a little bit last week. Arkansas' strength on offense is Alabama's strength on defense. We're going to have strength versus strength when Arkansas has the ball. They have the most consistent run game in the conference by far, in my opinion. They just have a stable horses in Raheem Rocket Sanders, A.J. Green, Dom Johnson when he's healthy. And they also utilize K.J. Jefferson as a big running back, too. So you got to think about that. That is consistent. I think it travels. They are the most consistent run game in the conference, in my opinion. Uh, and like I said, one of the main question marks, how recovered is Arkansas going to be from the Texas A&M loss from last week? That'll be cru- crucial. And can they hang 60 minutes with the Tide? And can they hang 60 minutes with the Tide? Because I think Bama's coming in with a little bit of chip of their shoulder. Hey, look, everybody expected us to go play well at Texas, show them who we are, flex our muscles. They didn't. They've had two weeks to stew on that, get better against ULM and Vandy, who aren't great opponents. Vandy's better, but still not a good team by any means. This is Bama's first. This is their next exam. They've had two quizzes since their first exam. And they barely passed that midterm. Now it's time 
I'm not going to say this is a final, but this is a big exam for the Tide. Another kind of midterm exam. Big game for Bama. They have to bounce back, flex their muscles. And, I, and I'm kind of feeling them this week. I kind of like the way everybody's talking, uh, watching player interviews. They kind of have an, a chip on their shoulder. I think against Texas, they kind of expected to go win that game. I think this week, they know Arkansas is a really good team. And again, I'll keep saying it. Arkansas is the most consistent team in the SEC. If there was a gun to my head and I could predict what a team was going to do each week, I'd pick Arkansas. They're very predictable, but in a good way. And that's a good thing. They know who they are. They have a system. They're physical on both lines of scrimmage. And they're going to punch you in the mouth and see if you can keep up with them. But where will that game be won? Where will, where will it be won come around 5.30, 6 o'clock, Central Standard Time Zone, Alabama, Alabama skill players versus Arkansas's back seven. As much hate as Bill O'Brien has received so far this year, Alabama's offense is sixth in the country in total offense, fifth in scoring offense, tenth in rushing offense, and 19th in red zone offense. Those are good numbers, guys. He's using a little bit of an NFL system, getting Jameer Gibbs the ball out in the flats, letting him work, kind of a little Alvin Kamara-ish, Dalvin Cookish, letting him work. He's one of their best athletes. So this week, he fits into the game plan even more, in my opinion. Get them in space, make their linebackers secondary, come tackle you in space. Their best safety's out for the season. We know that. If you follow it at all, I've talked about it every week. Jalen Catalan's out. Miles Slusher coming back for Arkansas does help them. But again, Bama has an athletic advantage, just like A&M did this week, this past week. Uh, Bama could improve on third down conversion. I agree, I agree with that they got to get better on the interior of the offensive line. This can be a challenge for them. They're going to get punched in the mouth early. It'll be big for the interior of the Alabama offensive line to come out and prove themselves when I think they struggled against Texas. So they need to come in with a chip on their shoulder. Um, again, I, I trust Bill O'Brien here. He's an NFL mindset. He's a smart football coach. The guy's getting a lot of flack from people that don't really think know a lot about football. Uh, but Bill O'Brien's going to get his offensive skill guys the ball in space on the perimeter, and he's going to let them work. I think that's going to be the game plan. I'm telling it to you right here so you can come back to me on Saturday night and say, Dave, you know you're right. Thanks for letting me know that because that is what's going to happen. Bill O'Brien, if he's smart, which I think he's smarter than people are giving him credit for, he's going to get his playmakers in space. He's going to see what Arkansas did last week against A&M. Now the difference will be, will Arkansas be as aggressive against Alabama as they were against A&M? Because I think Barry Odom thought his guys could hold up a little bit more against uh, A&M's guys and get pressure a little bit more on Texas A&M's offensive line than maybe he does against Alabama, but we'll see. Um, I'm, and again, expect Arkansas to come out of the gate early playing with a chip on their shoulder. Even on the first couple of drives for Alabama, if Alabama's throwing it out in the flats and Arkansas's making some tackles, sure, that, that that's a possibility. That could come out. You could, in the first quarter, but Dave, you said he would. they make a lot of plays in space. It's going 60 minutes with the champ. Like, People can go three quarters. Can you go all four quarters? Texas couldn't do it. They went 11 rounds. They couldn't go 12. That's going to be the difference. Can Arkansas hang around for all 12 quarters, make plays in the flats, in the field, for a secondary that you just don't improve tackling this time of year just in a week? That Just being in the building, that doesn't happen. They don't really practice tackling a lot this time of year, really in general anymore, but especially this time of year. That's not going to happen. Um that's why I don't think Arkansas is going to be able to consistently tackle Bama's elite athletes on the on the edge. I think Bama's going to have a good offensive game plan. And that moves me to my prediction in this game. Like I stated, too much skill, position, and athleticism for Bama on offense. I don't think it's an elite wide receiver group, but it's the best wide receiver group that Arkansas has faced, and they've given up a ton of yards uh, through the air and on the perimeter because of their lack of ability to cover and their lack of ability to tackle in space. Like I said, Bama's going to have a good game plan. I think it's going to be their best overall performance of the season. I like Bama to get the win 44-21. to Betting Bama's favored by 17.5 last time I checked. Um, by my score prediction, I would take Bama. Wouldn't shock me if Arkansas backdoor covered and cut this to like a 14-15 point game late. It wouldn't shock 17.5 is a lot to go be a favorite against a really good Arkansas team at their place. But I do like where Bama is mentally. They've gotten better the last two weeks. If you go back and watch the film, you will see it too. So don't just think Bama because they struggled against Texas on the road two and a half, three weeks ago. They're going to go do the same against Arkansas. I think that's an improved team, and I'm looking forward to seeing it come 2.30 Central Standard Time Zone on Saturday afternoon. Moving on, one of the other interesting games, one of my favorite ones of the weekend as well, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. 
3 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone game, SEC Network. Texas A&M, man. Two big emotional games, two big emotional wins back-to-back now in Miami versus Arkansas. Since they have replaced Haynes King, the LSU transfer Max Johnson are in the Ags are 2-0, and and it kind of feels like they kind of have a fresh start. It's kind of the vibe you get from watching the press conferences of Jimbo and the players. If you play at the pace of Texas A&M, of who they are in, on average right now, though, this is, this is where they're going to get themselves in trouble. The pace A&M plays at on offense right now, they're averaging 53 plays a game. That is nothing. 53 plays per game. You know how efficient you have to be to be good on offense when you're only running 53 plays a game? To, to give you an example, I think Tennessee's number one in the country in total offense, and they're averaging like 75 plays a game. Like That just tells you Tennessee's getting 22 more plays per game than Texas A&M. I mean, it's believable, but it's just until you see the 53 number, that's nothing. You have to be so efficient. Um, just going back to A&M, the most efficient you'll see in A&M offense under Jimbo was that 2020 season with COVID. They had a veteran offensive line. Kellen Mond, who played a lot of football and improved under uh, Jimbo's tullage. It's, it, they were the number one team in third down efficiency offense that year. They ran 12, 13 plays a drive. They didn't get a lot of drives, but it felt like they were dominating games that they'd only be up about 14 points, but they were so good on staying ahead of the chains, converting third down, and that's what you're going to have to be with the style of offense that Jimbo plays. But you can't be that every year. It's asking way too much out of your offensive line, your quarterback. I mean, it's reliant on experience coming back, and that's just it's just playing with fire. That's how you're consistently going to go with. Max Johnson, he's been efficient, but not great. Uh, this week will present the first road, true road challenge for the Ags as they head to Davis Wade Stadium. And they will most likely be facing a lot more zone this week than Barry Odom and Arkansas presented to them last week. Uh, Zach Arnett, the defensive coordinator for Mississippi State, likes to run a lot of zone. They, I think they're going to make A&M drive the field and try to beat them, be patient. They're going to try to make Max Johnson throw his first interception, have his first turnover since he's been the starting quarterback at A&M. Also, it's going to be a challenge for those young receivers, especially the Nia Smith being out. It's going to be a challenge for those young receivers going on the road for their first time. It's different playing it's man-to-man. You can go kind of create, not do your own thing, but you can live off your athletic ability. If, if, if you're not, if you're a young receiver going into a hostile environment where you're not going to be able to hear, you got to find windows against that zone. And that comes with time and experience. you got to know where the zone is, sit in it. You can't get frustrated uh, and just try to run by somebody because there's going to be someone in that hole covering you. Like you have to find windows and sit in them, and that takes experience and reps. Right now, that unit doesn't really have that right now. Um, let's see, the they are currently on the opposite side of, of, of an inexperienced players at every position on offense except quarterback, who's also a quarterback in his first year of a program here. So what I mean by that, a and is a very young team. People have kind of been pointing to the 2023 season for them being uh, a veteran, more experienced team. But the quarterback is in his first year in the program. He's Now, Max Johnson played a lot at LSU, but this is his first time in Jimbo's system. Uh, the key right now is... If they have any chance, I think, in this game, they're going to have to let Devon A-Chain touch the ball 20-plus times a game. I know that sounds crazy. Later in the year, Devon A-Chain may not be with us, be with the Ags, because he'll be so beat up, but they're going to have to let him touch the ball 20-plus times a game right now. I think he's touched it 19 twice in their first four games, but he's going to have to touch the ball a lot because he's an electric playmaker. He looks like he's starting to push his blocks, set his blocks up, get better vision. He looks like he gets more comfortable as he touches the ball, as a lot of running backs do. Moving to the Aggie defense, the Aggie defense is the reason why the team isn't one and three right now. They easily could have lost to Miami. The defense went there. Would have lost to Arkansas, and they did lose to App State. They're eighth in scoring defense, sixth in red zone defense, and tenth in passing yards allowed. Uh, thing they have to improve on, which it'll be interesting to see how State attacks this. They're 104th in rushing defense and giving up 176 yards per game in the Aggie defense. 104th in the country at a 131 in rushing defense. They're giving up 176 yards per game. Um, they're going to face a Mississippi State team, though, that is running the ball more so than they have in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays off if Leach changes that. I mean, Arkansas rushed 
for 244 yards and averaged 4.5 yards a carry. So A&M is good on defense this year, but it's not a shut-down defense. Like, I still think Bama is the best defense in the league. A&M's probably second, but they do have a little bit of a hole with the inexperience in the interior of their defensive line, which they should improve as the season goes on. And they're also really thin after Edron Cooper, uh, the second level at linebacker. Um, Mississippi State trying to bounce back after a tough loss at LSU two weeks ago. This is their shot to get back on track in the SEC race. You have an inexperienced team coming into your place that gets loud, Davis Wade does, especially with the Cowbells, as we all know, against a very veteran Mississippi State team who brought back the most production in the entire SEC. So you got the veteran team versus the least experienced young team at the veteran team's house off two emotional wins that the young teams had, and they had their biggest game so-called by the media. It's been hyped up all offseason next week. And I'm talking about A&M going to Tuscaloosa next week. But it'll be interesting to see how this A&M team responds after two big emotional wins sandwiched in between this game against Mississippi State, sandwiched in between their big one in Tuscaloosa next week. It's a lot to ask for a very young and experienced team. Um, I do think Mississippi State is better than what they showed in Baton Rouge two weeks ago. They they got a lot of penalties, draw, a lot of drop balls between the running backs and receivers in that game. Will Rogers a little spor- uh, sporadic all over the place. I think being back at home will help that, but they can't have those mistakes again and expect to have much success. Like it's a solid to good A&M defense. Um, again, Kind of going back, I'm real interested to see how Mississippi State attacks the run game this year. They carried the ball 20-plus times in three or four games so far this year. I think looking back at it, Mississippi State only ran the ball 20-plus times, six times in total, I think, last year. So they're already halfway there through four games. So it'll be interesting. They're they're more accustomed to running the ball this year and more accustomed to running the ball than most people think until you dive de- uh, dive deeper into it. Um, State needs to take this game as a personal challenge, in my opinion. They played really soft up front against LSU, and this is another opportunity to correct that. The defense has been solid. The Mississippi State defense has been solid this year. But the D-line is kind of missing that difference maker this year. Nathan Pickering has been a bit underwhelming, and so has Cameron Young. Both guys who had good years last year aren't really moving anybody, not taking up doubles, and preventing people getting to Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson at the second level. That'll be key. Both those backers and Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson, if protected, are both winnable to good players in that system. I I do like both those guys. They come downhill. They'll hit you. They blitz really well. Two solid guys. They just need help up front to uh, take up some uh, offensive linemen so they can go fit in and fill gaps. I think the secondary's improved since last year. It really has. You go watch, you you see some stuff you like between uh, Colin Duncan, Jalen Green, the Richard DeCameron Richardson kid. You like him. I like their secondary. I really do. Uh, but again, big game for both teams. A&M would really, it kind of feels like A&M would have really have righted their season and showed real maturity if they go into Starkville and get this win on Saturday. And State could some back, get, somehow get back on track with a win. Big win. I mean, A&M is feeling really good. They'll be, they would be 3-0 and with Max Johnson at starter heading to Tuscaloosa next week. 2-0 and in conference. Moving to state side of things, you're 1-1 in conference. You feel like you're getting your feet back underneath you. Let me look at the Mississippi State schedule real fast after this, just, just so we can sit here and talk this out. So after A&M, they get Arkansas at home this week, this next week, and then they go at Kentucky the next week, and then – Bama and Tuscaloosa on October 22nd in the month of October. This is almost a must-win for Mississippi State. I mean, that's a tough three-game stretch right after this. Arkansas at home, at Kentucky, and at Alabama. It's a must-win for Mississippi State. It really is. It's to that point. It's a must-win for both teams to stay in the divisional race at all. Someone is leaving Davis Wade Stadium Saturday evening feeling pretty good about themselves, and someone is leaving feeling like, hey, a lot of our goals and aspirations are gone. So it'll be tough to bounce back for them, but uh, I'm expecting a great game. Where this game will be won, I'm going to tie in my prediction here on where on where it'll be won with this segment. And this is what I'm going to straight up ask. It's not really a breakdown of matchups. I could go into that, but I'm going to go off the radar here. Is Texas A&M mature enough, man enough, to go win this game after two emotional wins sandwiched in between Alabama? Let me repeat that. 
for the people in the back. Is Texas A&M mature enough to go win this game after two emotional wins and sandwiched in between the Alabama game? A very young roster. I've been calling this game for two weeks now. I've been saying it. A&M was going to beat Arkansas this past weekend, which they did, and I said they'd go lose to Mississippi State the next week. Not only that, but it's their first true road game. After losing one of your top players on offense, Texas A&M is better in a lot of the statistics that I think could come into play in this game, like red zone defense and offense. But I think A&M commits a lot of penalties in this game, as they have previously in games. And Max Johnson gets his throws his first couple interceptions in this game that gives State the ultimate edge. Another field-type game where it could go either way. People said I was crazy last week picking A&M to beat Arkansas last week. It's kind of a similar to me. I just think State wins this game at home. More mature team. Probably a little bit more desperate team, as I mentioned, after looking at their schedule. They understand they can't start 0-2 in conference. Again, a field game for me, but I ultimately think Mississippi State, being at home, being the more experienced team, Carries them over the finish line against a young, inexperienced A&M team that I don't think is mature or ready to go handle the situation they're walking into uh, in Star Bowl on Saturday. That's why I got Mississippi State winning the game 24-20. The betting line in Vegas is minus 3.5. Mississippi State's favored. Uh, obviously, my score prediction, I got State winning by 4. I'll take Mississippi State in that. It wouldn't shock me if State kicked a field goal to win it in the last second. Thing to watch out for, though. When I went back to a little red zone offense, defense for both teams, Mississippi State special teams had not been great. So if it comes down to a kick, A&M's got to feel decent. But I think A&M commits a lot of penalties, turnovers, first true road game with a young team. I don't really think it comes down to that. I think State holds on to get a win and start 1-1 one one in conference, picks up a big win to get their season back on track. Moving on. Another conference game, not an overly great game on paper, people would say right now, but Georgia at Missouri, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on the SEC Network. A little bit of overview, Georgia coming off a bit of an underwhelming performance against Kent State last week against the Golden Flashes. It happens, man. It happens. It really does. Uh, everyone is now a little down on Georgia. Have you ever thought... Have y'all ever thought about Georgia maybe worked on a lot of base plays and plays in the red zone that they needed to improve on type game? And what I mean by that is they worked on plays that they knew they had to get better at. I'm sure Todd Monk and Kirby Smart, they're they're smart. They, they know, hey, look, we're better than these guys on paper. What do we need to improve on before we really start facing some real challenges in conference play? I, I, seriously, those conversations happen. And I think it happened against Kent State, by the way, they ran some of their red zone plays. Um, I don't think Kirby Smart was real upset about that. I think he was fired up. His team faced probably, as crazy as it sounds, more adversity than they faced against anybody else so far this year, whether it was Oregon or South Carolina. They got after them pretty fast. Um, with their schedule, they need that to keep themselves focused. They need to stay focused and limit injuries. I mean, let's look at the Georgia Bulldog football schedule right here. Let's look at it. After this game, Missouri, they play Auburn at home next week. It's the 2.30 CBS game. Get Vandy at home the week after that. They have a bye week. And then Florida. They're, I mean, their next real test is going to be Tennessee at home on November 5th. October is going to be pretty easy for Georgia. So Kirby's biggest challenge is going to get his guys to stay hungry and stay healthy. They need to just improve every day at practice. Forget about the opponent. They're playing a faceless opponent through the month of October right now. That's the way they got to approach it. And again, stay healthy. They have to work on the things that they think they're going to have to be really good at to beat the Tennessees, maybe even the Kentuckys when they go on the road to Kroger Field, and certainly in the SEC Championship where they most likely play Alabama or maybe somebody else, but a really good opponent coming out of the West in Atlanta. Um, Georgia, again, healthy. They got guys like Jalen Carter, their best interior guys, banged up right now. Tyke Smith didn't play against Kent State. Xavier Sori didn't play. Lad McConkey, the wide receiver, is trying to get healthy. Missouri, very disappointing loss last week. Missouri is coming back from one of the more crazy games that you will see last year, last week. I mean, let's talk about it. They missed an extra point dang near about to lose the game to go into overtime. They get a stop against Auburn in the first overtime Hold Auburn to a field goal. Anders Carlson misses the field goal. Missouri jumps off sides for the second time on a field goal that day. They did one right before the half, and they were lucky Carlson missed it again. Uh, and then they proceed to, they're going in to score to win the game, and the running back extends out and 
fumbles into the end zone for a touchback. Auburn wins. Very Jordan-Hare voodoo ghost stuff. Stuff we've seen for years that happens at Jordan-Hare when Auburn wins. Um, just crazy. Things don't look great in Columbia, Missouri right now. Just a very – the talent isn't awesome. They lack a quarterback. Explosive plays. Not a disciplined team. Uh Eli Drinkowitz, a guy maybe on the hot seat as the weeks keep going, just seems like he doesn't really have the answers right now. Um, Luther Burden, questionable for this game. Kid also announced he was scrubbing his social media of all things Missouri and came back out and said, Tiger Nation, be patient, something like that. You're just dealing with life. You lose him, there goes all your recruiting mo- momentum because you kept a top three receiver in the country from your home state in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, in your home state coming to Mizzou. If he leaves that, – that, not good just things are not great in columbia missouri i'm not going to go into a long breakdown of this game where this game will be won i'm not going to insult your intelligence here guys georgia's just obviously better than missouri that's where this game will be won across the board and in all aspects of the sport on offense defense special teams coaching they are just better than missouri uh like i said i'm not going to sit here and insult your intelligence most people with two eyes can tell you georgia's better than missouri i think georgia will most likely come in control the football on the ground with Kenny McIntosh and take their shots off play action. You'll see a lot of young guys play. I think they'll, again, work on – they're not going to come out and say this, Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin, and even the defensive staff with Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp. They're going to also work on some things, some blitzes or stuff, stunts that you probably haven't seen them do all year, but stuff they need to improve on if they know they are going to have to use in games that are real meaningful if they're going to reach their ultimate goal of which Georgia's ultimate goal now is to win a national championship every year. It's to that point. If they don't win the national championship, it's a failure. And I think they'll work on stuff to get better. Probably they will throughout the whole entire month of October. I'm not one that just says, oh, it's Georgia or it's Alabama. They're going to go kick somebody's ass. Like, no, I think Georgia's schedule. Again, let's read it again for the people in the back who didn't hear me the first time. They get Missouri this week, Auburn at home next week, Vandy at home on October 15th. They finish it up in Jacksonville against Florida to end that month on holiday weekend like uh, in, ja- in Jacksonville on October 29th. I don't see them really being that challenged in the month of October. Um, prediction, I think Georgia wins something similar to 54-3. to I don't ever really think it's that close, and Georgia cruises to a Saturday night SEC road win. The line right now is Georgia minus 28, and I love it. Load up on the dogs right now. I'm putting it in my parlay. Georgia minus 28, one of the more confident games betting-wise that I am. One of the game, one of the more confident games that I am uh, betting on this weekend in college football, and specifically the SEC. Georgia minus 28. Again, the dogs are going to roll into Columbia, Missouri, get the big SEC East road win. They're just better. Things aren't well in Columbia, Missouri right now, but I think that's how things shake out. Georgia getting the 54-3 win. And then finally, the fifth game we're going to preview, the Saturday night special, the 6 p.m. Central Standard Time kickoff on ESPN, LSU at Auburn. Always was a big game when I was growing up. LSU comes into this game at 3-1, 1-0 in conference. Auburn, it doesn't feel like it, but they're 3-1 and 1-0 and in conference going into this game. Feels like two teams, though, that are heading in opposite directions. Feels like LSU has improved over the last three weeks. After losing to Florida State on that uh, Labor Day weekend, the opening weekend, they got the big win against Mississippi State at home. It kind of springboarded them and got them back. feels like Auburn is just struggling each week, just finish, getting to the finish line. I feel like their win against Missouri was almost just like they survived. Like, like Missouri stepped on a landmine when they were coming to finish Auburn and just blew themselves up, and Auburn's the last guy standing there. It's just kind of what that game on Saturday against Missouri felt like. Um Jaden Daniels, the LSU starting quarterback, the Arizona State transfer, I think he's getting more comfortable each week. I think Mike Denbrock, the OC who came over, the new OC for Brian Kelly who came over from Cincinnati, is getting more familiar with Daniels' strengths and weaknesses and what he's comfortable doing. Um, this will be another test for Daniels, though. As Auburn is, he, they're solid on defense now. Don't let that get wrong. And it's his first true as his first true road start in the SEC. Um, Again, Auburn stumbled their way to three and one, but hey, they're three and oh, three and one, one and zero in conference. Anything is on the table with Brian Harson right now. I mean, if you're playing Auburn right now, you got to be sitting there thinking a little bit, like, man, they really have nothing to lose. This guy may be one loss from being over. This guy's getting his money. He may go for it on a couple fourth downs, run a couple fakes. It's just all hands on deck. Aces are wild. Uh, deuces are wild, whatever you want to call it. He just may be a little riverboat gamble 
gambler style of play this week by Brian Harson. He may just have an effort style. It's like, you know what? We're, yeah, if it's fourth down and short, fourth, fourth and five or shorter, we're going for it. Maybe something like that. So LSU needs to be on the lookout for that. The series has traditionally favored the home team in the past, as teams who followed the series know, or fans who followed the series know. And both teams usually have struggled at the other team's plays. What would the atmosphere be like in Jordan Hare on Saturday night? I'm really interested in seeing that. Will there be an electric atmosphere? It's, it's Jordan Hare at night. From working there, Auburn, when Auburn is good, comes in with a good record, especially at a night game, especially in a game like this. It's usually a hostile environment in Auburn on the Plains. I don't know if it'll be that Saturday night. It's just a weird time in the Auburn football era with Harson. I'm not getting into that. I've talked about that a lot, but I'm not going to get into that. But it, I'm interested to see what the atmosphere will be like with turning on ESPN on Saturday night. Another question I have, how improved is LSU, though? This weekend will help prove that. This weekend will show that a lot, in my opinion. It'll prove either they have or they haven't. Uh, like I mentioned, most LSU teams in the past 20 years would go into this game, commit a lot of penalties, turnovers, take away the 2018 season with Joe Burrow. He's different. But other than that, teams with less miles than Ed Orgeron, even last year, they would just go struggle and play terrible at Auburn. It, just, it was almost like clockwork. Let's see how improved and like, improved from a penalty standpoint, discipline-wise, this LSU team is. Um, big stretch coming up in October for LSU. I mean, they got Tennessee at home next week, at at Florida the next week, and then Ole Miss at home all this month. So they got at Auburn, Tennessee at home this week or next week, at Florida, and then Ole Miss in the to finish the month of October. It's be a big win to start off two and zero in SEC play if they could do it. Can Auburn's offense generate enough to be effective against an improving LSU defense? Robbie Ashford will get the start again. It looked like T.J. Finley was practicing, but he's got a grade two, I think, shoulder sprain. So he's out. But Robbie Ashford with a quarter QBR rating with one touchdown to two interceptions and a 35.2 QBR rating. Um, They're going to have to try to stretch the field to some extent. The strength of Auburn is the run game. Is I think they have two good backs in Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. The offensive line, Auburn has struggled. Auburn's on their third center with Tate Johnson being out for about eight weeks. They're just not getting a lot of push up front, being a little soft. Just, there's not a lot going for the Auburn offense right now. Uh, LSU right now, 12th in total defense, 9th in red zone defense. Again, an improved in every week. We'll see how improved this week. Um the Auburn defense, like I mentioned earlier, solid but not great. They haven't given up really a ton of explosive plays so far, but they have worn down as games gone on. And a little bit of that is because their offense doesn't give them much break. Uh, they've only generated one turnover all season, though, the Auburn defense. The Auburn defense has only generated one turnover all season. That has to change this week for them to have any chance. Um I think whoever wins this game is who's going to protect the football and generate the most explosive plays. Where this game will be won is can Robbie Ashford and Auburn's receivers make any plays downfield. LSU is eighth in passing yards allowed on defense, and they have faced an improved FSU passing game with Jordan Travis and a Mike Leach offense, Will Rogers, and they played well. Uh, Auburn currently sits at 103rd in passing offense out of 131. Not good. It's it's not all on Robbie Ashford, though. Auburn just doesn't really have a dude to create any separation at wide receiver. Shedrick Jackson, Malcolm Johnson, Javaris Johnson, and LSU transfer, Coy Moore, are just kind of guys. They're not number one guys. Granted, Auburn doesn't ever traditionally even have a big-time guy. Their last guy they probably had that had real ability but was a little bit of a head case was probably Duke Johnson. Um, now, I'll be interested to see what Matt House's strategy is, the LSU defensive coordinator who came from the Chiefs. Is. Does he, br- the Kansas, he came from the Kansas City Chiefs. Does he bring a controlled pressure? I think if I'm him, I'm bringing a mush rush, a mush rush to keep Robbie Ashford in the pocket. And what I mean by mush rush is you're not over pursuing, getting out of running lanes. You're not over rushing. You can't rush as an individual this week, guys. Guys like B.J. Ojolari and Ali Gay are going to understand you may not get a lot of sacks this week because you can't over pursue and leave running lanes for Robbie Ashford to go pick up plays on his own. He's a good athlete, man. He was a he's a high baseball pick. I think he had a real chance, if I remember right, going to the Major League Baseball draft. But he is an overall good athlete. His strength is run is making plays with his legs. I think LSU's defensive game plan is probably going to be pretty simple. Let's stop the run and let's keep Robbie Ashford in the pocket and let him 
try to beat us downfield with this pretty average to below average wide receiver core. That's what I would do, and that's what I think Matt House is going to do as well. Again, LSU improving every week, and I honestly don't think the game plan for LSU defensively will be that complicated. And that's it. Must rush and stop the run. With my prediction, LSU should win this game. If they can limit their turnovers, keep a simple game plan for Jaden Daniels, and establish their run game, give, give Daniels a simple game plan, and he has to still understand that his biggest strength are his legs right now. He's a Currently, he's a one-read guy to one side of the field. If it breaks down, he needs to take off with his legs because he is a great athlete. That's what he did against Mississippi State. That helped extend drives on third down for LSU. I think he can do the same this week against a solid Auburn defense. Um, the LSU defense and Madhouse, I honestly think, will make it real hard for Auburn to produce anything as long as they don't let Ashford get out with his legs. I think LSU ultimately separates in the second half. But if I'm Brian Kelly, a quick start could empty Jordan-Hare Stadium out early on Saturday night and make Auburn quit. At anything a bad start, LSU gets up 14-21 to nothing, really hammered, gets up two to three scores. Uh, gets out, gets after Auburn early. I think Auburn will quit. Not a lot left to play for. Even though again they're three and one, one and all. It's one and zero in conference. It's not great, but record wise, it still says everything's in front of you if you're Auburn. But I, I don't really think LSU gets off to that great of a start. But I do think they, ha- I think they do end up winning something like thirty four to ten is what I would have the final being. But they could really put a hammer, put the final nail in the coffin uh, if they could get after Auburn real early, get the crowd out of it take the breath out of it, take the air out of that stadium real fast and give Auburn no questionable, no breathing, no question, no opportunity to win the game. Give them no air at all to breathe and kind of take the crowd out of it. Give them no confidence as the game goes on. The betting line is LSU minus nine. I would take LSU. I'd load up on LSU on that. Um, again, those are five good games, four really good games, five conference games this week with the Kentucky at Ole Miss game. You got Alabama at Arkansas. You got Texas A&M at Mississippi State. You got the Georgia-Missouri game. And then you got the night game, the LSU at Auburn game. It's going to be a good weekend again. It's October, guys. This is when teams start to separate themselves. This is the first week we're finally going to get to kind of start seeing who teams are, what the real schemes are, the true strengths and weaknesses. We have an idea now, but we'll really get an idea as we get through the month of October. And I'll be taking you the whole and you'll be with me the whole time i'll be taking you along for the ride throughout the whole sec season but i'm fired up about this month of october october 1st saturday we're getting there guys the heart of sec play is right in front of us i appreciate you joining us on this week five preview here with us at mock 10 sports again if you haven't already don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel at mock 10 sports Follow us on Twitter at Mock10Sports, and then follow us on Instagram at Mock10SportsSEC. I appreciate you joining us, and you have a great day. Keep following us on Mock10Sports for the best information on SEC sports.